Well, as they're getting adjusted here, uh, I want to hear from people online in the chat. I want to hear from in the room. How many of you still have your Christmas decorations up? Raise your hands. Okay, how many of you have taken them down already? Okay, wow, wow. Well, as you can see, uh, we have the decorations up still here, and it's not because we, we didn't get around to it. Um, I mean, you might know in, in the church's calendar, there is the four weeks leading up to Christmas called Advent, and then there, if you remember the song, 12 Days of Christmas, uh, so that we don't just celebrate one day, uh, but it's good to, to spend a little while focusing on Jesus, and I think this year, usually we take down our tree like right around New Year's or right before, and same in the church, but you know, I, I thought this year we need a little Christmas, right? We need a little more Christmas than normal. We need a little more joy, a little more hope, a little more peace, and so uh, we have the decorations up here still, and, and I love them. It's a great job this year, uh, Shanda and Ronnie, who, who did those for us. And uh, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Uh, for many of us, it was a little bit different this year. It was different for my family as well. We, um, we usually do Waffle House Christmas Eve, but I thought, you know, take out with a soggy waffle, not, not, not going to be the best. So instead, uh, we did Asian takeout on Christmas Eve. And then Christmas morning was fun. I have people love seeing pictures here. So this is my son, Patrick. His, his, one of his Christmas gifts is called a busy board. Have y'all heard of this? Uh, my, my parents made this for him. It's just a piece of plywood painted with random baby safe things from the hardware store to help him like learn how to function tactilely. That's not a word, tact, you know, tactile functions and stuff. Um, so that was fun. So we did that. And um, just kind of rested, laid low together, which was nice, a little bit different. And Christmas was a little different here as well, but it was an awesome time. I mean, I want to celebrate Return to Bethlehem. We had over 560 people come through. Uh, Many of you who are watching and worshiping today volunteered. Um, It was an awesome, awesome event. And even though uh, we ended up having to be online only for Christmas Eve, it was fun seeing pictures from different families online of how they were worshiping together in different ways, different times with candles uh, around the fireplace. And some of you know, we made these Christmas Eve at home boxes and said, hey, if you want to request one, we'll drop it by your house. And I want to let you all know, a third of the boxes that we dropped off were people who pre-COVID had really never attended our church. And so we're, we're trying to find ways to bridge the online and the, and the physical divide. And so that was a fun uh, a fun way to do that. And, um, you know, it's, it, was a, it was a good Christmas, right? Um, and like I said, I love Christmas. This is like my Christmas shirt. I thought I wore it on this last day. I love the decorations. I love the music. I love the food of Christmas, Chex Mix, pralines, all that kind of good stuff. I love it all. But there's one thing about Christmas that I don't love, and maybe it's the same for you, and that's when the family packs up and leaves When the decorations come down, the food is gone, the leftovers are gone, the refrigerator is empty, and we just kind of return to our ordinary, routine lives. I don't know if anybody's feeling that this morning with like going back to work tomorrow after having a few weeks off, but that's the one thing I don't like about Christmas is when it finally ends and everything goes back to just being ordinary. And if you've been joining us in this season, you know we've been been looking at that very first Christmas and the miracles surrounding the Christmas. And, you know, I wonder sometimes if Mary and Joseph kind of felt 
felt the same thing. Because if you think about it, that, that first Christmas was, I mean, it was extraordinary by all accounts. We, we've been looking each week at the, at the miracles, right? So we, we, we started nine months before Christmas with the Annunciation where, where Mary found out from an angel that she was chosen by God. She was highly favored. She was blessed and that she, uh, a poor young virgin, was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And then Joseph, who was pledged to be married to her, an angel met him in a dream. And, and we talked about how angels, it's not like they're, they're constantly speaking to everybody in the Bible. I mean, this was a miraculous, extraordinary thing. An angel speaks to Joseph. And then finally, after the, the mess of a journey and the mess, like we talked about on Christmas Eve, of it all, in a manger, Jesus is born. And that night, while everybody's busy in Bethlehem and most people missed what was going on, the angels went and spoke to the shepherds in the fields. And this rough and tumble crew comes to Bethlehem and they see this child and they say to Mary and Joseph, they say, the angels came and visited us and this child is the savior of the world. He's gonna bring good news of great joy to all people. I mean, this was miraculous, extraordinary, supernatural stuff taking place the very first Christmas. But, you know, eventually the shepherds went home. The shepherds left, and it was Mary, Joseph, and a crying baby. And, you know, the angels didn't tell them how Jesus was going to grow up or when his kingdom was going to start or what him saving the world was going to look like. I mean, they, they didn't give all the details or the roadmap or the blueprint. And so Mary and Joseph, after Jesus was born, I mean, things kind of went to the routine that you, you do when you have a newborn. I'm sure there was lots of crying. I'm sure Mary was figuring out how to, how to breastfeed. And they were tired after the long journey and they're trying to find a place to stay and, and to go back. And I mean, I mean, they're trying to figure out everything as a life. Maybe Joseph as a carpenter is making a, 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 like a crib type thing for baby Jesus. They're trying to figure their life out together. And, and we don't have every detail of what it looked like in the days after. But what we find in Luke's gospel, the second chapter, is that, that really they, they continue to do the ordinary, routine, faithful things that every Jewish couple would have done. And so on the eighth day after his birth, they had Jesus circumcised, which was a normal, routine thing for a Jewish family to do. It was an outward visible sign that he was now part of God's covenant family. And they named him what the angel said to name him, Jesus, meaning he will save people from their sins. And so, so they did that. They named him. And then they're figuring out the phrase we all hate now. They're figuring out their new normal as a family together and what it's like having a baby. They had never raised a baby together before. So they're doing this routine, daily, normal thing after all these miracles and miraculous stuff has happened, probably thinking, what, what now? What have we gotten ourselves into? And then Luke picks up, verse 22, he says, around 40 days later, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus traveled to Jerusalem to do something pretty routine, to, to do a dedication of him, the firstborn, to the Lord and to do a purification rite. And so in verse 22 is where we're going to pick up today in the Christmas story. Right after Jesus was born, here's what we find. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves 
were two young pigeons. So in Leviticus chapter 12, it outlines these type of rituals that needed to happen after a baby was born. And so they go to do these things. And what's interesting, Leviticus 12 says, ideally the sacrifice that's made is a one-year-old lamb. But if the couple is too poor, instead they can do two doves or two pigeons. And Luke implies here that the sacrifice they gave was doves or pigeons because they were a poor couple. And so they're, they're doing this ordinary routine thing and there in the temple they meet a man named Simeon. So verse 25 Luke tells us there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is that the Messiah that was going to come and save God's people. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So when you think about how, how miraculous this is, I mean, this man who was filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, had a direct word from God that he would not die until he witnessed the Messiah himself. And so before the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he probably just had a basic everyday life, going to the temple to pray here and there. It was probably pretty routine, probably didn't think much about it. But, but after he heard this word from the Lord, after God promised him, you won't die until you see the Messiah, you know that that transformed how he lived and moved and saw things in the world. I mean, you know, after that, he, he was probably looking at the old people coming in the temple, at the rich people, at the, the kings and the queens and, and the young people thinking, is this the Messiah? Carolyn Moore, a pastor friend of mine, she says this way, he probably looked for the Messiah in every face he came across, wondering if he might see a glimpse of God there. And so he, he, he's looking out every day, and then Luke tells us this, one day moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. So I want you to think about it. In the midst of this ordinary Routine thing all of these Jewish couples would have done. Simeon speaks this word of, of prophecy over this child once again. They, they've heard words like this before. And once again, God is, is, is confirming who he is. And so Simeon says, Simeon says, look, this child is going to be spoken against. He says, a soul will pierce Mary's soul. That's a reference to her watching him be crucified. And he says, look, he is going to be a light, not just to the Jewish people, but to, 
to the Gentiles as well, to all nations. He speaks a word of prophecy. And then this man, he, he also speaks a word of identity, right? He, he says, this child is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is the one they've been waiting for. That day, Simeon, he, he was just going about his ordinary life. And there, when he saw this baby come in, it looked like an ordinary baby. It looked just like all those other babies that had come in. But he had eyes to see that this ordinary baby was different. That God didn't send a king God didn't send an army. God didn't, didn't send what most people expected to see. Instead, to save the world, God sent an ordinary baby born to a poor Jewish couple. But he had eyes to see that in the midst of what looked ordinary, God was doing something extraordinary. And then you think about Mary and Joseph in this story. They go to the temple. They're doing their ordinary routine of life. They, they see this man, Simeon. He looks probably like everybody else there. But led and full of the Holy Spirit, he gives them this extraordinary prophetic word and word of identity over their child. And they discovered once again that God was using people like them, people like Simeon, just everyday kind of folks to be part of his extraordinary work of saving the world. And then as Jesus grew up, you know how the story continues. He calls it ordinary people, ordinary men who are disciples. And he says, follow me. And as they follow Jesus with faith, they begin to do extraordinary things. They begin to walk on water. They begin to feed thousands and thousands. And this is a pattern we see over and over again in scripture. And it's because in the incarnation, when God became flesh at Christmas, God entered into the ordinary and made it extraordinary. What I want you to know today is that, is that this pattern continues even now. But the question for us is do we, like Simeon, have eyes to see God's extraordinary work going on all around us in the midst of our ordinary everyday lives? Or are we so busy? Are we so focused on other things? Are we so preoccupied with, with things that, that are important but not of utmost important, importance? Are, are we so preoccupied that we miss how God is at work even today? Because if you're like me, and I think most of us would agree in here, we all want to see God move with power, right? We all want to see miracles take place. We all want to see the supernatural. We all want signs and wonders like we read about in, in Scripture, right? We want these things. I don't know if you've seen like airplanes flying around with banners behind them. I've always wanted God to just send an airplane with a message directly for me. Maybe you've prayed, God, just send a check in my mailbox. It's going to pay off all my bills. Restore my relationship overnight. And I believe that God can and at times does work in these immediate, supernatural, wondrous, and big ways. But I think so often, the way God works in this world is like he did at Christmas in the midst of a seemingly ordinary birth, like he did here in this scene in the midst of an ordinary temple ritual. I think so often God does extraordinary work in the midst of our ordinary daily 
lives, but a lot of times we miss it. We miss it because what we're looking for, we're hoping for, we're expecting something else, or really we're not expecting God to work at all. But God hasn't left us alone in the world. He is at work even now. And I had a friend and a mentor named Don. Some of you have heard about him before. He, he, uh, he taught me kind of this concept when I was younger. In, in middle school and high school, every week, every Thursday, we'd go to an ordinary place called Mrs. Winter's Chicken and Biscuits. Anybody ever been there? Been to one of those? It's, it's fine chicken. It's not amazing. It's not Buckner's or anything, but it's pretty good. So we would meet there every Thursday. I was in middle school, high school. He was in his 30s, 40s, I don't know. And we would just, we would just talk about life, talk about the Bible and, and different things on our hearts and our minds. And, and I remember him telling me one day that he would pray a prayer daily. He would pray a prayer daily, and, and the prayer was this. I think we have it on, on the screen here. The prayer was simply, Lord, Open my eyes to your work in the world today. Help me to be the hands and feet of Jesus to someone because I know everyone is in need of grace. He, he, he just taught me, he said, Jonathan, God's at work. But so often we don't see it because we don't have eyes to see. We're, we're not perceiving, we're not moving slow enough in the world or we're not really expecting him to work. And so this isn't the exact words, but this was just kind of the basic format of the prayer. The first part is, hey, God, open my eyes to what you're doing around me. And then the second part of the prayer was quite simply, help me be a part of it. Help me be your hands and feet and share your love to the ordinary people and all the situations around me. And, and so Don said, look, I pray this prayer pretty much every morning. And he began to tell me stories about how the Holy Spirit would, would lead him to encounters with people who were in need and he would be able to meet their need or he would make a connection that, that he had been praying about or thinking about. He, he would tell me these amazing stories and he said, look, I'm prone to forget. And Don, he's kind of country. So he said, I'll put a penny in my shoe. He said, I put a penny in my shoe, and when it gets really annoying to me, I remember this prayer, and I pray it again. And so he, he would walk around with a penny in his shoe, praying this prayer, expecting God to show up and asking God if he could be a part of it. And being a good mentee of Don's, I, I began praying, praying this as well, at different seasons, different years, different days of my life. And you'll never guess what happened. When I prayed a prayer like this, God, open up my eyes to how you're at work in the midst of my everyday life. I began to see God at work. And when I began to pray, God, help me be a part of your work in the world. Help me to love other people and be your hands and feet. I began to notice opportunities that came up. And so I would pray this and I would you know, be at the cashier checkout. I don't, I don't really talk to people at the checkout. That's not my personality as much. But I would see somebody maybe who was downtrodden. I would offer them a word of encouragement. Or maybe I, I just got some Christmas money and then I come across somebody or a situation who is in need and I would, I would know, okay, this, this is what God wants me to do. And so when I would pray this and be expecting to see God at work in the midst of the ordinary, I would find it. And then guess what would happen when, it, when I didn't pray this and I just, 
kind of thought it was a normal, everyday, kind of routine thing in life. I, I wouldn't really see God at work. It's amazing how it kind of worked that way. And I know right now we're, we're kind of at the, the precipice, precipice of a new year. And maybe, maybe you're looking back on, on 2020. Maybe you're not looking back and you're like, just throw it in the garbage can. Maybe, maybe you're looking forward to 2021 and thinking about habits and resolutions and all those things. And I, I know this can be a, a weird time of the year where we feel burdened to like make our lives perfect and new and fresh and everything. And I don't want to add a burden to you this morning, but, but instead I want to invite you into a blessing. And I want to invite you in, into the blessing of seeing God at work in your life, in your ordinary everyday life tomorrow on Monday this year. I want to invite you to receive that blessing by, by simply joining me and our church in this prayer this year. You, you, can, you can take a picture of it. We'll post it online. We'll, we'll put it in the weekly email this week. These aren't magical words. It, it's, it's the spirit and the heart behind them, Lord, I know you're at work in the world. Your, your word tells me you haven't left us alone. You've come and now you've sent your Holy Spirit. God, I know you're at work. God, help me to be a part of it. And I want you to imagine like if, if you began praying this, if you prayed it every day in 2021, what, what this year might be like. Or just imagine if, you know what, you fall off the bandwagon and you just prayed it 180 times. 180 days, you woke up and walked around with expectancy that God would move and that you would be a part of it. Or maybe, maybe you just pray it one day a week. Maybe you forget it and, and you just see it on, on your mirror and you pray it one day a week. Imagine if one day a week you got to see God at work and you got to be a part of his work in the world. I mean, I think if we all began praying this together, we would begin to see hungry people in our community fit. I think we would see relationships with other people in our homes restored. I, I think we would see young people and old people come to Jesus. I think we would, we would view our workplaces in Henry County very differently. I think we would see this as a place God is working. You see, at Christmas, God entered into our ordinary world. And now he continues to do extraordinary things. And he's not going to stop until the second advent, until Christ returns. And friends, he is inviting us to be a part of what he is doing in the world. And so this morning as we close, um, in just a moment, if you're at home, we, we want you to pray this out loud with us. If you're in here, we're going to have you do that. And we're going to pray this prayer out loud. And then after we say amen, we're, we're going to have just a moment of kind of musical reflection I want to invite you to pray just pray in your own words in your own heart that this new year God would give you a, a sense of hope a sense of expectancy a sense that he is going to work and he wants you to be a part of it so would you would you join me in these words Lord open my eyes to your work in the world today help me to be the hands and feet of Jesus to someone because I know everyone is in need of grace.